Thank you for tuning into this webinar, Your Succession Planning Team, How to Get the Best Out of Your Advisors. This webinar is hosted by AGH University and presented by AGH Employer Solutions. AGH Employer Solutions is a team of professionals that helps employers, business owners, and human resource professionals hire, compensate, manage, engage, train, and retain one of their most critical resources, their talent. Today's speaker is Marjorie Engel. Marjorie's extensive expertise in board governance, executive coaching, organizational analysis, and succession and strategic planning has helped closely held and family-owned entrepreneurial businesses throughout the nation succeed. One of the few consultants in the central U.S. specializing in family business matters, Marjorie holds a certificate in family business advising from the Family Firm Institute, or the FFI. The FFI has recognized her expertise and contributions in the area of family business management by naming her an FFI Fellow. At some point, every business owner utilizes the assistance of a professional advisor. This becomes particularly important at times of transition or when trying to develop a succession plan. The success of your business and the successful transition may or may not be enhanced by the advisors you choose. The assistance you need will vary at different stages and advice may be needed in a multitude of matters like legal, tax, finance, business strategy and growth, succession, family ownership issues, and a multitude of other things. Good advisors need to be much more than experts in their field, so join Marjorie to learn how to choose, evaluate, and leverage your own team of trusted advisors. Well, thank you, Mike, and welcome everyone to our webinar today. Uh, we selected this topic as the first in a series of topics related to business succession. When you think about ownership succession, it is a time of increased risk for any business. So the success and survival of your business may depend on the, the advisors you use. And, and when you think about the job of, a, of an advisor, it is to provide you their best advice, obviously. But I've seen so many businesses fail to use their advisors wisely. They may not choose the right advisors or they may not get what they need from those advisors. So you see by our list of learning objectives, there's several topics that we wanna cover today. But just a note as we move forward and explore these um, areas, I'm going to be using examples and stories today, but the confidentiality of our clients is really important to us. And so we're actually gonna be using composites of multiple experiences and multiple companies we've seen over the years. So the examples you hear are not a specific story of any one company. So just keep that in mind. You know, there are so many really smart business owners and really smart advisors, but it's important to differentiate between smart and wise, both for yourself and for your advisors. It makes me think of this uh, um, quote by Voltaire, who um, said that anyone that is wise would learn from the experience of others. And you know, this lesson has been illustrated to me many years ago, we were facilitating some peer groups and we had a peer group of seasoned CEOs and presidents. And then we had another peer group of next generation leaders who were still young, but had been tagged for future leadership. And in the peer group of CEOs, the participants just asked a lot of questions. They were very, very interested in learning from the experiences of their peers. But we noticed that in that younger peer group, the participants shared their experiences, but no one wanted to listen or ask questions to their peers. They felt like it would uh, demonstrate vulnerability. 
And, and so they wanted to come to the table and prove themselves instead of coming to the table to learn. It, it was really their own unwillingness to be vulnerable that kept them from really benefiting from that experience. So when you think of any business owner, we all need help from time to time. And being willing to open ourselves up to advice or input from others is truly a sign of wisdom. The other thing is that good advisors can assist you by drawing on their experiences with many businesses. And yet many business owners don't get the advice that they need and, and that they deserve from their advisors. So there's several aspects of how to find advisors, how to vet them and really obtain value from your advisors. And we're gonna cover some of those, but I wanna make sure that we spend specific time on the areas you're most interested in. So I'm gonna ask you to provide some feedback related to that. Now, when you think about the fact that sometimes business owners resist input, and sometimes it's helpful to just self-examine a little bit and identify why are we resisting this outside advice. Sometimes business owners just by nature tend to be risk takers and so often they believe they can handle the problems themselves or they can handle it internally with their team. They may say things to themselves like, well, I've been successful so far and by the way, I own this business. Or they may feel like their business sense is good and they really don't need someone else telling them what to do. And while those things may be true, the fact is, as businesses grow, there's new challenges and new opportunities that arise all the time. And so addressing those can just be more successful if you're willing to draw on experiences you haven't had yet. The other thing is at different stages in the growth of an organization, the management model and the business model need to change for that organization to successfully uh, make those transitions. There's a lot of companies out there who have been successful at one time, but they weren't able to maintain that success as the organization grew and became um, more complex. So just relying on past success isn't always a guarantee for future success. So what advisors can do is they can help you anticipate the road, of head, road ahead of you. They can help bring experiences of other businesses to the table, and that can help things from blowing up or becoming problems when they don't have to be. It's a matter of learning smart versus learning the hard way. Different viewpoints, different perspectives can help you from uh, making a mistake that you can't recover from. For others, the resistance comes from an issue of speed. They don't want to be slowed down and they think, well, if I talk to an outside advisor, they're going to raise a whole bunch of issues I don't want to bother with. They're going to create roadblocks. They're going to slow me down. The fact is some owners and managers want to do what they want to do and they do not want to hear an advisor's reaction. It, it kind of reminds me of a quote from a movie. And for any of you that have kids or grandkids, you probably know who the minions are. But one of the minions was quoted as saying, well, of course I talk to myself. Sometimes I need expert advice. And sometimes as business owners, we can have that attitude too. It can be really hard to bounce back from some wrong decisions. And if experience of, as a, experiences of others can save you time and money, then it makes sense to, to learn from them. 
I think another reason for resisting is cost. People uh, are afraid it will be too expensive. And you hear out there all the time, all kinds of consultant jokes. You know, jokes like, you know, a consultant is someone you pay $100 an hour to, to give you the same advice that you ignore from your assistant. And, and you've probably heard a lot more consultant jokes, but the cost of the relationship with the consultant can be managed, but the real cost is paying for advice and not acting on it. So making sure you match up with the advisor well and making sure that you get advice and you apply it. Um, good advisors will pay for themselves and they can tell you how, what they're gonna do is gonna to add to your bottom line. And I always remember my wise old daddy saying, you get what you pay for. So sometimes you just have to make sure you're paying uh, the investment to get the return. I think another reason that business owners resist is they're suspicious of consultants. The impact of that is that Sometimes the call to an advisor comes after there are already scars and damage to the business or the relationship. I can give you an example. Again, a construction-related company was owned by a couple of brothers, and the plan was to pass the business on to the next generation, the cousins. But the next generation started competing with each other in a pretty unhealthy way. And the spouses of the owners were all jockeying to position their own children for the top spot. But by the time they reached out for assistance in their succession planning efforts, the cousins had literally come to blows. And the spouses' relationships were completely poisoned. In those kinds of situations, not only does your advisory team or your uh, paid advisors have to address the business, the estate, the tax, and the emotional aspects of transition, but now they have to circle back around and try to repair the damage and the fallout from waiting too long for advice. So my philosophy is strike while the iron is cool. If you can anticipate the problem before it arises, you can objectively, calmly, logically, and collaboratively plan what you're gonna do and what your commitments to behavior are and, and how you intend to deal with different variables. But if you wait until the crisis or the problem is upon you, it can leave wounds in people or the organization. And that's gonna cost you much more to address when you finally realize help outside would be helpful. So if you can overcome some of these tendencies to resist outside advice, then the next thing you need to think about is what kind of advisor you need. When considering different advisors, it's important to differentiate between an advisory board and a team of professional advisors. Those two things are very different animals. They bring different value. And if you try to use one in the role of the other, you're gonna be disappointed. So let's talk just a little bit about what an advisory board is versus what professional advisors are. An effective advisory board that's properly composed and properly structured can provide some non-binding but some informed strategic guidance 
and can often become a step in, stepping stone toward developing a, a more formal board of directors. Boards of directors and advisory boards, that's a topic. That's a complete topic in itself. And you can find some archived webinar, webinars here at aghuniversity.com that will help with what, what a good board's role is and how to have an effective board. But today we're focusing on paid advisors or consultants. So professional advisors are different from a board. They typically don't hold meetings on a recurring schedule like a board will. And they're typically engaged to advise you in a specific area of expertise. So let me give you an example of the differences. A board may work to confirm you have financial systems and internal controls in place. A professional advisor is going to help you set up to administer, to audit those types of systems. Again, a board may review your strategic plan and vet it, asking really good questions. But an advisor brings you and your team the process for gathering information, for completing environmental and organizational analyses, for facilitating the strategic thinking and planning retreats, and they, and they work with you to develop an execution or accountability system. So you see there's really a difference here. Consultants can provide expertise, guidance, skills in a particular field or industry. And because of that, organizations need to hire them to help with or to advise on specific pro projects like the challenges of succession. So what advisors do you need? And, and you may think, well, Marjorie, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? Based on the stage of your business, however, you need different advisors and you need them to do different things. So evaluate what your needs are at that time and what they're going to be in the future in order to determine the advisors you need on your team. So you think, well, the advisors I use are obvious what they do, but often I see advisors that are not leveraged for the right things. The first advisors most companies typically engage are their attorney, their accountant, their banker. Those are the ones that you think of first. And an attorney or attorneys often help create documents that you need to incorporate and start your business. And when it comes time for estate planning strategies and documents or buy-sell documents, board bylaws, risk management litigation, attorneys can be really helpful. A lot of times, though, when I look at accountants, um, they're not leveraged to the extent they could be, or you haven't selected the right accountant that truly becomes an advisor. Accountants typically are one of the first advisors a business engages, and they engage them to prepare their tax returns and maybe to do some tax planning. But as your business grows, it, it helps to have that um, financial advice on your financial system on business transfers or acquisitions, on compensation structures. So the biggest mistake I see here is just getting taxes processed and not obtaining general business advice from all the depth of knowledge that those financial advisors have. For your banker, um, there's obvious things that the business looks for, loans and financial reporting, liquidity, advice on financial growth, those kinds of things. But when it comes to succession, there are other advisors that can become really important, financial advisors, 
valuation experts. So uh, just another example of that. There's an owner who wants to sell his business. He's ready to retire. But then he works with a per personal financial planner, a financial advisor, to help him identify what his need is in order to be comfortable in his retirement for he and his wife. Then the valuation reveals there's not enough value in the business to cover the need. Completely changes the plan. His options are to change his lifestyle or to keep working. So those kinds of advisors, financial advisors that can help with looking at liquidity and capital needs and financing owner buyouts, financing growth and identifying and creating financial strategies. It might be your CPA, but not, not all CPAs do that kind of work. And not all CPAs have relationships with those financial or, or personal wealth management advisors. Evaluation expert. Valuations can be important for a number of different stages in the business, valuing gifts, for litigation, for stock appreciation rights, for ESOPs, for acquisition and divestiture. And so oftentimes I see businesses look toward someone that really doesn't have the training to do the type of valuation you need for the situation. So depending on your organization, other advisors that may contribute, investment advisors, insurance advisors, organizational development advisors to help with coaching and management succession, professionalizing the business, strategic planning. And then finally, a family business advisor for family-owned businesses. Um, they need to be particularly trained in the succession of a family business. So who do you surround yourself with? I think some business owners, when they think about their advisors, feel like this, that they're just surrounded by idiots. And again, for those of you with kids and grandkids, this quote comes from The Lion King. And the villain in the movie, Scar, surrounds himself with hyenas. They're his friends, and they just agree with him all the time. And then when his plans don't work out, then those friends become idiots. Now, you may feel that way if, about your advisors if you've underhired, if in order to save money on the advisors, the, you engage advisors that the business is really outgrown or don't have enough muscle to bring to the table. So it could be that you do have to come up with all the answers in those cases. If something else I've seen business owners do is they, they perhaps haven't figured out how to leverage those outside advisors. So if that's the case, there's some specific things to look for that are a green light that tell you this is a, this is a good path to go down or a red light, run away. So let's start with a green light, things to look for in an advisor. First, you want them to have up-to-date knowledge. Do they have the necessary technical knowledge? Do they stay abreast of new developments? Are they passionate about their field and interested in the trends? Another thing is how they communicate. Do they make information understandable? And do they initiate periodic meetings or updates or reviews to make sure that the communication is um, sufficient and easily understood? 
The other thing is how they collaborate with others. And, and we're going to talk about that um, in regard to collaboration among your advisors later. But do they collaborate with you or do they just tell you what they did? And are they honest with you? Do they have convictions and do they stand by those convictions? Are they willing to tell you even the things you don't want to hear because they put your success even above the relationship with them? Another thing you want to look for is whether they are willing to give you more than what you ask for. So if you engage them for a specific task, do they send articles and give you updates? Do they provide alerts about changes in the areas um, that they're uh, advising you in? Do they provide webinars? Do they, are they willing to come in and help you be better at what you do to help you identify opportunities and open doors? For you. When they give you more than what you ask, again, they're willing to tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. Another thing that you want to look for that's a green light is whether they ask good questions and whether they listen to you. Good questions can help alert you uh, of things you need to anticipate in the future regarding needs or opportunities. So when you see these kind of qualities in a trusted advisor, that those are the things that result in them not just being a consultant, but being a trusted advisor. And it's important because an advisor can be technically brilliant, but they also need to be sensitive to your needs and supportive of strengthening you as a leader and your business. Now, there are also red flags, things that if you see in an advisor, you just need to run away. Sometimes advisors have conflicts of interest. Maybe they get a kickback. Maybe they are serving on your board and they're acting as your advisor. Any, anything that could be a conflict of interest, maybe they have an employee or a spouse that's working in your business as an employee. Anything like that should be divulged so that you can assess the impact of that potential conflict. I think another red flag is a lack of confidentiality. If they are name dropping, if they are giving out names of clients without permission, they're going to do that to you too. And so that's a red flag. Sometimes it's a red flag if that uh, advisor is too dependent on, on just one or just a few clients, and then they end up becoming possessive. That makes it difficult for them to be frank with you and say, and, and say the things you need to hear versus the things you want to hear. I remember one company that I was talking to and they were talking about a consultant they had engaged to do coaching. And one of the managers on the leadership team said that that person is here all the time. And it kind of raised a red flag for the CEO. So he started investigating and found out that that consultant had met with people for years, hundreds of times, and realized that maybe that consultant was too dependent on them. Sometimes uh, advisors or consultants have a tendency to want to work beyond their level of expertise. So if you're relying on someone for valuation information when they don't have a background in business appraisal, that's a red flag. If an advisor is venturing into counseling and they don't have training in counseling, that's a red flag. If an advisor is giving you legal or HR um, advice and they don't have the expertise to do that, it's a red flag and so on and so on.
another red flag is any kind of communication problems. If they don't explain things in clear and simple language without using a bunch of jargon, find someone who will. If you find that they're consistently difficult to reach or they're not sharing information uh, that you need them to share, make it clear to them that it's part of your hiring criteria. And if they're not willing to do that, then find someone who's more willing to work with your team. Are you reluctant to call them because they're unpleasant or they're condescending? I think when it comes to communication problems, you have to trust your gut. If you find communication difficult or stilted with them, that's a red flag. So when you're thinking about your current advisors or a potential advisor, you're considering engaging, there's some questions you need to ask yourself. Question number one, do you trust them? Do you believe they have impeccable character and reputation? Do they have outstanding communication and interpersonal skills? Do they listen? If not, you will not be transparent with them. And, and you're less likely to implement the advice they, they give. And when you get their bill, you are not going to like it. You're going to feel resentment over those fees. So ask yourself that about your current advisors or any particular advisor you're considering engaging. Ask yourself, are they successful in their field? Are they well respected in their community, their professional community? Are they continuing to grow? And are they engaged in the industry? Maybe they even teach others in the industry or ask to speak or set direction for their area of expertise. How successful are they, really? Ask yourself, are they continuously learning? Do they talk about or recommend uh, an article or a book uh, related to something that may be valuable for your business? Are they quick to identify trends and share them with you and apply them to your business? And do they provide you relevant updates about their area of expertise that may impact your business? Ask yourself what their mix of clients looks like. Are you their largest client? Do they have a good mix of clients? Are the other clients that they work with respectable business people that um, typically make good decisions? And then ask yourself if they've worked with businesses at least as complex as yours. You don't know what you don't know. That's why you engage them. You want their experiences to bring you a forecast of the things that you need to anticipate. Are they able to anticipate your needs or do they tend to be more reactive? And then finally, do they have enthusiastic references? And, and here is an area where I think you need to watch for how they provide references. Do they have permission from their clients to use as references or do they name drop? So when you think about the questions that we just went through that you should ask yourself, we also want to consider questions you should be asking them. So maybe you're considering engaging a potential advisor. Let's talk about what you should be asking them. You should be asking them, what is their experience? Ask them how many times they've done a similar engagement. Ask them the number of years they have in their role or their field. 
ask them about the team. Who else is going to be working on the engagement and what kinds of experience do they have? Ask them what their approach is, what their process is. Is it a customized approach? Is this a standard cookie cutter process? What's the frequency of follow-up and how are they going to communicate? So ask them to describe their approach or their process. And we talked about references before, but, but ask them for references. They should provide to you references of companies they've worked with that have given them permission to use their name. And then ask those references good questions. So what kind of questions should you ask references? Ask them, did you feel respected and heard by this advisor? Did they return your calls promptly? How long have you worked with this advisor? And on what kinds of projects? When you have communication with them, who typically initiates that contact? How often do you hear from them? Ask them what value that advisor brought, the investment versus the return. Ask them how that advisor responds to problems. Have you ever had any billing problems? And how were those problems resolved? Ask them how that advisor prefers to communicate, the frequency, the type, the style. Another thing you should ask those advisors is, what kind of ongoing training do they participate in in their field? Do they have memberships they belong to to make sure they're staying current with best practices? Are they engaged in professional associations? Do they provide that kind of community uh, support to the community or are they continuing to learn about the community they're part of? Ask them how you can see a demonstration of the quality of their work. They might be able to provide you a sample of work product or if they can't because of confidentiality, do they provide webinars or training? Do they provide blog communication, white papers? Have they been published? All those things can give you an idea of the quality of product or service you will get from them. Ask them how they stand behind their work. If, if it's a financial um, advisor or an accountant, will they represent you if you're audited? How will they respond if you're not satisfied with their work, whoever the advisor is? Are they clear in outlining the deliverables that you will receive? Ask them how they handle confidentiality. Do they use client names in marketing? Do they notify or ask the client for permission first? Once you've asked these questions, you're gonna be more comfortable selecting your advisor. But once you have selected that advisor and you engage them, then you have to do your part in managing the relationship. So either you're going to control the engagement or the consultant is going to control the engagement. So make sure you've agreed upon the expectations. And if you get expectations or if you're promised something that just sounds too good be, to be true, remember, there is no advisor out there that has magic dust. So make sure those expectations are set from day one and that they're realistic. Has that advisor defined the direction, the deliverables, 
have they defined what you are going to re be responsible for or your organization is going to be responsible for? Have they defined who the person is who will be overseeing the project? And have you done that too? Here's the person on our side of the fence that's going to be overseeing this project. And then keep in mind that when it comes to execution, a consultant can't execute for you. Execution belongs to your organization, to you. I think it's fair in managing that relationship to be demanding. And by that, I mean be tough, but be fair. Really good advisors prefer that. They prefer you be direct and fair. Ask for what you want. And if you're not satisfied or something has happened that has annoyed you or disappointed you, say so. Make sure that you set and document key dates that they've committed to and then monitor that work. And if they don't meet those dates, again, be tough, but fair. Another thing is communicate. Sometimes I've seen advisors or consultants that don't want to bug that business owner. And then the relationship gets um, drawn out and gets weak, it deteriorates. So set regular status updates. And depending on what the service is or who the advisor is, those might be weekly or those might be yearly, but just make sure you have those regular updates. Don't be shy about probing for suggestions. Some advisors may just give you the service. Here, I'm gonna process your tax return, or here's the legal document. It is okay for you to probe for more. Ask them questions. What have you seen other businesses do in this situation? What concerns do you have about the direction you're, we're taking? What questions should we be asking that we haven't asked? Probe for broader business advice. They see all kinds of businesses. You wanna leverage that knowledge. I think something else that business owners don't always think about is if the engagement requires support or interaction with employees, you need to prepare your employees. So for example, a consultant coming in to begin a strategic planning process typically starts out by gathering information, maybe a survey, maybe interviewing managers. And it's not unusual that a business owner doesn't think about making it clear to the employees that there is gonna be an interaction and how they want them to handle it. If, if they just tell them you have to meet with this consultant, but they don't give them information about who the consultant is or why that uh, information is being gathered, that, that team, your team and that consultant are gonna get up to a, a rough start. And it can be difficult anyway, because when you work with a team, Sometimes they have to overcome the suspicion that maybe they're not doing something good enough. So it can be challenging to integrate your consultants into an existing team, especially when they're brought in to solve a problem that the team members maybe don't have the capacity or the ability to handle on their own. So it's important to make sure employees know that the need for the consultant doesn't mean failure on their part. They need to know who the consultant is and why they're there and what we're trying to accomplish. I think the last thing here on managing the relationship is evaluate the results you get. Evaluate the deliverables they've given you. Are they quality deliverables? Are they on time? Have the outcomes met the objectives that you set out? 
and evaluate their communication and their collaboration. So moving on then, once we've um, evaluated and, and worked to manage our um, relationship with the consultant, I think something else we have to think about is whether or not we treat our advisors, all our various and disparate advisors as a team. Sometimes business owners keep their business advisors apart and they meet with them separately. I think it makes them feel like they're in control and maybe it'll be cheaper if I don't let them talk to each other. Or sometimes I think they're testing their advisors to see if the recommendations align or are in conflict. But what ends up happening is the business owner meets with one advisor, say the accountant, and they work on tax strategies for succession or estate planning. Then they meet with their attorney and they share, well, the accountant said this and we're going to do that. Well, of course, you know what's going to happen. The attorney's going to have questions, questions that you may not be able to answer. And maybe you aren't able to explain the reasons why the accountant made the recommendations they did because you forgot. Or, or maybe the attorney makes some suggestions and you don't have the ability to assimilate. How is that suggestion going to affect what you worked on with the accountant? It can turn into a divide and conquer approach and it wastes an opportunity to really tap the synergy um, that, that you can see happen when professionals come together. When your advisors are really working together as a team, you can see magic happen. So the first thing you have to do is give your advisors permission to talk to each other about the work they're doing for you and ideas for your business. Without your permission, they really ethically can't be talking to other advisors. And every team needs a good quarterback, someone to call the place. So if you assign that quarterback role to a trusted advisor, someone that knows you well, that you trust, that has, has worked with you for a long time and been loyal, then they can help assimilate all the different parts of the information. They can make sure there's not any redundancy with two advisors working on the same thing. And they can also make sure things don't slip through the cracks. There is no advisor that can be a jack of all trades. So it becomes a challenge to integrate all the expertise needed. And diversification is good, but working in the dark is not good. So one of the things I've seen business owners do that has been really successful is once a year, they hold a meeting with their team of advisors. They have them all there together and they discuss current issues, trends in the economy and the business, you can incorporate them into um, or, or give them debriefs on things that are happening in your planning. And you, you can then develop uh, the best strategies for, for your organization and identify which advisor is going to be responsible for what things. So make it clear when you hire an advisor that your expectation is for them to work with each other. And if they're reluctant to do that, or if they're too busy for your other advisory members of your advisory team, then they're too busy for you. And that kind of leads us to the next thought. How do I manage the cost? Advisors, good advisors are not cheap, but they do bring a return. So there's some things you can do to manage the cost. One thing you 
that you often see in an engagement with an advisor is that there is scope creep. So projects may grow as time passes and the needs of an organization increase or there's the next step. That's why it's really important to manage scope creep because you can just kind of creep along and keep doing more and more things and then it gets to be this big, onerous, expensive engagement. So you need to ensure you've done three things to manage scope creep. Number one, define the objectives of the project. Number two, set a budget. Make sure you know how you're going to be billed. And three, establish the priorities and the timeframes. If you capture those things in writing and that those objectives are met and then there's the next thing to do, that's okay once, once the initial stage is done. But you want to make sure to go back to those three steps. So you go back to number one in defining the project's objectives and so on. Something else that I think is really important in managing, managing the costs is fee transparency. So don't be reluctant to ask about the fees up front and make sure you know how your advisor is paid. Is it a flat fee? Is it hourly? Is there a commission or a kickback? And aside from the fees of the service, how are expenses gonna be billed? Do they bill expenses and how do they do that? You can ask them, aside from what I pay you, what other costs will I incur? Because sometimes there's hard costs involved in an engagement. And you should ask about those up front too. I would also ask them when it comes to fee transparency, if we have a discrepancy or we're concerned about an invoice that you send us, how do you respond to billing inquiries or disputes? Who makes the decision? Who handles that? Again, that's part of fee transparency. And really, much of that should be clear in the engagement letter or the proposal that you receive. But look for it. Make sure it's there. I think the other thing you can do is manage the fees. That means you have to monitor them. So when you look at the invoice, make sure that the charges have been explained. And if you are surprised by the bill, that's a problem. You need to let the advisor know, this invoice surprised me. You know, I need to make sure that I know before you engage in some activity that I'm aware of it so I don't get surprised by the bill. If they bring along a coworker, pay attention to that. Ask for the purpose of that second person and what the cost to you is. If you're gonna be billed for an extra person's time, you need to understand what's the value that extra person brings to you. You shouldn't be expected to pay for on-the-job training or shadowing of a junior associate if they're not bringing some kind of value to the project. I think another thing you can do that we often don't think about in managing the costs of advisors is leveraging technology. You can use um, sites to share documents and information. Um, coaching, executive coaching, parts of it should be done face-to-face, -face, but executive coaching can be very effective using virtual um, communication. Um, and then meetings with the consultant, if, especially if you're bringing in a group, um, can be more cost-effective. You don't have to pay for travel time and travel expenses if you leverage technology for those meetings. 
So when you think about leading a business, it can be really complex. And that complexity and the risk is magnified during succession transitions. So if you choose your advisors well, they're going to help identify opportunities. They're going to help anticipate and prepare for milestones and crossroads. They're going to help solve problems. They can help prevent or resolve conflict. And, and in general, they protect your business and help you grow and um, develop your assets. Uh, an advisor can bring objectivity to your organization. And sometimes that fresh thinking can help to restart something that's lost momentum or something that's gotten bogged down. They have the ability to focus on one project or issue and not get caught up like a a manager might when a manager does not have capacity to focus on that extra project or issue. They can also bring clarity to a project. They can help get special initiatives completed when management just doesn't have the capacity to facilitate the process. So a good advisor is going to work with you to achieve a specified outcome. And if you're not getting the results you need, it's usually easier to terminate a contract with a consultant than it is to terminate a permanent member of staff. So keep in mind that selecting the right advisor is a process and managing them takes vigilance. But once you have the right team of advisors, that succession planning is something that you can navigate your way through with a lot more confidence. You know, I mentioned at the beginning of this webinar that um, this is a, the first in a series of webinars on business transition processes. And so um, the first thing we wanted to talk about is your team, because we feel like that's something that starts at the beginning of that process. But keep an eye out in the months to come for an invitation to upcoming webinars on the succession process and how to navigate all the different stages of succession.